I don't know quite why I'm here this morning, because everything that was in the worship was already preached. I'm just uh, just going to do a little tag along on what God's doing, and it's amazing because uh, this morning, I know Brent started this way last week as well. And where is Brent, anyways? Where did he go? He said uh, this is the first time Brent's heard me this morning because every time else I've preached, he's been sick. So he might be sick after I'm done. I'm not quite sure, but we'll let him decide that. But um, a few weeks ago, Brent spoke on the uh, started with the attributes of God and. Um, he spoke on the power of God. Uh, last week he spoke on the tenderness of God. Um, two very, very distinct attributes of God. This morning I want to speak another attribute of God, and that's the sovereignty of God. And um, I think sometimes there's a lot of confusion uh, that wraps itself around what does it mean that God is sovereign? Um, you know, he's a sovereign king. And a sovereign king is, is a king that has absolute rule and authority. He knows what's going on. He has complete power. Um, and so for God to be sovereign is, is an understanding that his sovereignty rules every part of our lives. And sometimes in our, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my daily walk with God, I sometimes, you know, I, I can get wrapped around my plans and my thoughts and my ways and what I want to see happen. And, and yet, you know, what, as I look back in my lifetime and I see that God has, has led us and continues to lead us, I see so much more of His hand steering me than my plans. Um, you know, my plans are one thing. God's plans are His plans. And He has a way of, of moving through our lives for His purposes, for His glory and for His honor. And so this morning I want to talk about the sovereignty of God. And uh, the sovereignty of God is, is a very powerful thing. If I'm going to hang my hat anywhere, if I were given hooks, like uh, coat hooks, and we had a number of hooks to hang our hat on, the one area that I would hang my hat, without doubt, is on God's sovereignty. If you look through history, and I'm, I love history, and I, I look through history, and I've seen the times that when the world was desperate and in a desperate state, how many times God intervened with world powers and world leaders and in people's lives. And, and at times when things were most desperate and God was the one who saved the world. God was the one that keeps us. God is the one that holds us. So this morning, I'm asking you to do the same thing. If you're going to hang your hat anywhere, hang it on the sovereignty of God. His absolute rule, power, and authority over this earth. And uh, we're going to start this morning. We're going to start in First Peter. Before we do that, we're going to pray. And then we're going to start. So, Father, I'm just asking this morning, Lord, this is your word. Father, you wrote it. You gave it. Lord, help me to to deliver it, Lord, as you would have it understood. Father, through my limited mind, through my limited voice, Father, I pray that I would be able to clearly take your word and give it to these people, to this flock here. So, Father, I'm praying. Holy Spirit, I'm praying this morning. Will you speak to us your grace and your mercy this morning? Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Thank you that you are sovereign. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this room. And, Lord, that you are here. Help us to understand more and more of who you are in Jesus' name. So if you want to turn to me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to just read the first nine verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. I think it's up here, reading in the ESV, so everything's lined up here. It says here, starts verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who are elected exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, 
Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I tried to get it right. I'm not even what it is. It's a province. It's a territory that Peter is writing to. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling of His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, uh, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, though you now, though you, sorry, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know him, you believe in him. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I'm just going to start this morning with the first two verses. If you were to take the first two verses of this, of Peter's uh, uh, writing here, it really sums up all of our lives. We're going to go through the first nine verses, but we're going to just focus on the first two verses. And we're going to start with Peter's opening line. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We have to understand that it is not Peter that is writing this. That the word of God has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, spoken through his apostles and prophets for us. So it is actually Jesus Christ. Peter is an apostle of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be an apostle? An apostle means one who is sent or messenger. In earlier times, the king would send messengers out. And he would, if there was a battle going on, the king would give his battle orders to a messenger's. And messengers would run. This is before the days of internet and wireless and all of this stuff. And a messenger would take that message and he would run that message to the battleground. And the generals on the battlegrounds would receive the king's orders as if it was the king himself speaking. These were words that the king had spoken. These are words that the king uh, of the land, the sovereign king of the land, would give his generals. And there's the, 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 the battle plans were ra- laid before them. And so Peter is doing the exact same thing. It says he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. If we don't receive this word this morning as if it is Jesus Christ, the eternal King of Kings, speaking, we will have missed it. We will have missed the thing that God wants to speak to us this morning. The truths of the Word of God. One of the things about the Word of God is sometimes we get locked into this this idea that if I believe it, then it becomes true. If I believe it, the Word of God will then become true. Can I tell you this morning that the Word of God is true whether you believe it or not? Can I tell you this morning that if you... I met people and say, well, I don't believe that, as if their unbelief somehow negates the Word of God. It negates the fact that it's true. It doesn't. The Word of God is true whether it is believed or not by you. Our responsibility is to believe the Word of God. It is true. So the words that we're speaking this morning come directly from Jesus Christ. When Peter opens it up, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's not just a nice line. 
It's not just an introduction that you have to go through. It's not just a formality. He's trying to speak truth. He is a representative, a messenger of Jesus Christ. We have to receive this word as if Jesus Christ himself is speaking to us. The words that are laid out in the next few verses are all true because Jesus spoke them. He is the eternal king of kings. He is the sovereign king. And so everything is laid out before us coming directly from the throne. And then Peter begins, takes the next few, the next two verses or the part of the next two verses. And he starts and you, and you wonder, why does he choose the words that he's choosing? But if you follow me, follow through, it says to those who are elected exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, however you say it. These are provinces or these are territories that Peter had influence. This is, these are territories that, that the church after Pentecost, that the believers spread out to after Pentecost. They went back home after Pentecost. And he chooses these words. He says, to the elect exiles. And we're going to start with that word elect. We heard it this morning. Gary, Gary talked about being chosen. And this is a controversial thing as well in a lot of Christian circles because they don't understand People have not understood the word of God that we don't choose God. God chooses us. We are chosen by God. We are elected by God. We didn't find God. God found us. In other words, he looked down from heaven and he said, this one is mine. And so he could say to a Brent Smith, he says, this one is mine. I've chosen him. Take your name and say, I've been chosen by God. In Christ Jesus, you have been chosen. So you have been elected. This is really important to understand because sometimes the enemy comes in and he tries to, uh, tries to, to dissuade us from the, the, the fact that, that we're sons and daughters of, of the living God. He tries to, to take that away from us and say, well, you know, did salvation really happen? You know, I know that, you know, it says God loves you, but does he really love you? Look at your circumstances right now. You're in, you're in a tough place. Does God really love his children when, when they, they're in hard times? And sometimes we begin to believe it in our hearts. We say, oh, yeah, does God really love me? And we have to begin to fight the enemy because we haven't understood the word of God. The reality is, in Christ Jesus, you are chosen. It wasn't that you chose God, God chose you. And then the next part of the verse, he says, he says, you're elected exiles. And this is another word that you wonder, why does Peter call them exiles? Most of the people that Peter was speaking to in these, in these regions were actually Gentiles. There was a few Jews that were dispersed uh, but this was before the massive persecutions took, took place after Nero. And so most of these, these people in these regions were actually Gentiles. They weren't in that class of exiles that happened after 70 AD that the, 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 church, the, the, uh, the Jews were dispersed after Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. This is after, this was before that. And so this, this group of exiles that Peter is talking about were not part of the Jewish community. Some of them may have been, but most of the people that he's talking to are Gentiles. This is really important to understand because he chooses these words very, very wisely. He's not being foolish in what he's choosing. The Holy Spirit is speaking to him. He says, you're elected exiles. Okay, well, exiles, what's an exile? 
An exile is someone who has been who has been taken out of their country and forced to live somewhere else. They're not living in the country of their birth. They're living away from where they should normally be. They're in foreign land. Abraham was an exile living in the land of Canaan. They were foreigners. And so Peter chooses this word, and you think, well, why does he do that? They're not foreigners. If Gentiles go back to these regions, they're not foreigners. But he's talking about something else. He's talking about the fact that as elected children of God, we are foreigners living in this world. This is not our home or place of residence. We have a residence in heaven. We have a land in heaven. We have another place that God sees us as we're living. We are exiles living in this world. If we don't understand that, that if we just sort of getting through this life right now, and hopefully we make it to heaven, we will lose some of the, the, the power that God wants to bring into our lives. That sovereignly He has chosen us as sons and daughters, but He's also given us an inheritance that is in heaven, that is immovable, unshakable. It is stored in heaven for us that nobody can take away. We are foreigners in this world. In Jesus Christ, we live as foreigners in this world. We have to understand this. Because if we don't, our lives will be, will be lived in confusion and, and we'll be going here and there and we'll drift from, from one place to the next trying to understand who God is and is He really King of my life. No, we are living in this world as if we live in another land. In the, in the Spirit. Alright? And so we're foreigners. We're chosen foreigners living in a dispersed land. We've been dispersed. Here's the third word in the three-word connection. We are elected exiles of the dispersion. This, this, this word dispersion, again, is very important to understand. When, you, when you're dispersed, you're either, it's, it, you know, scientifically, you can use the word, we, we, put, we take chemicals and we put them into water, and the, and the chemical is dispersed into the water. It, it means it's, it, it fills the whole jar of water. It's dispersed into a solution. You can be dispersed into an environment. Oil spilt in the Gulf of Mexico. The, the oil was dispersed into the water. It went everywhere. Hence the massive cleanup that had to happen a few years ago. And so the same thing is with these Christians. They've been dispersed. And cho- Peter chooses this word wisely. Because after Pentecost, when, every, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they all went home and they took the gospel with them. That's why the gospel spread so powerfully. So they were dispersed. To their home regions. Can I say to you this morning. That we are part of that dispersion. Sometimes we, 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 we think. Am I really living in the, in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I really where I should be? I mean Janet and I. We, and our, the kids. We had to wrestle through this. Over these last few years. As God called us. To, to, to leave Owen Sound. And you think. Why, why has God done that? But God has chosen. I didn't choose to go. God chose this. You know, we're here because God spoke, not we spoke. We're doing what, what, what we're doing, not because I thought it was a good idea. Joe, <laughs> did you? It wasn't a good idea. I mean, talk about business sense. This is about the stupidest thing you could have done from a business point of view. I'm here because God spoke. That's why we're here. And I'm still trying to make sense of it. But at this, I do know that God has sovereignly spoken. You are here today because God has sovereignly dispersed you into the world 
as his sons and daughters, living in the, in the realm of the kingdom of heaven in Fredericton. Right here for this day, for this purpose, for this very hour. It is so important that we grab a hold of this. Because it, it, make, it brings life's confusion and it takes confusion away. It brings clarity to our thinking. It brings clarity to our mind. When we take the word of God and we begin to understand what he is actually saying. We've only moved about 10 words. That's all we've done from 1 Peter. We've only moved 10 or 12 words. And already we get a picture of God's sovereignty. Of God's rule of our lives. We are here for a purpose. We are here for a destiny that God has chosen. All right? And then we go a little bit further. And you say, well, can that really be? Well, Peter, he describes where these people live. And then he says this, according to the foreknowledge of God. Now talk about back things up. That God foreknew all of this. God took all of this and he foreknew what he was going to do. He foreknew exactly where he was going to position his people, what was going to happen. And not only that, if you read other scriptures, he knew it before the world began. He knew what, exactly what was going to happen. He knew world events from, from before the world was formed. He set salvation through Jesus Christ from before the world was created. This is how sovereign God is. This is how powerful the attribute of God's sovereignty is. It, it is so powerful that even in our lives when we mess up and we, 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 where men and women would condemn us for what we've done, God can sovereignly take, take the broken pieces of our lives, put them back together, and set us back on the path as if they did not happen. That's the power and the sovereignty of God. This is where real faith begins to develop in us. If we don't understand that we're, not, we're being sent under the purposes and the banner of a, of a sovereign king, we will be swayed by every wind that comes and blows against us. We will become discouraged. We will become pushed out of the, uh, out of the ways of God, if that's possible. Because we have not understood the truth of the word of God. See, God's word is that powerful. It's that incredible that he can take the things that happen in my life, good or bad, and mold it exactly for his purposes. A few, few weeks ago, or maybe a month and a half ago, I had this picture, probably two or three months ago, and, and I was praying about this, and I was, I was just saying, God, how do I know? How do I know that we're, we're on the right path? And God gave me this picture of Google Maps. I, sh- I think I, I shared it with Joe. And in this Google Maps, you, you put in a destination on Google Maps, and, and let's say you want to go from here to Charlottetown. Well, on Google Maps, what you come up with is you come up with three different options. You can go this way, you can go that way, and you end up with three different options. But they all lead to the same place. No matter which option you choose, they all lead the same way. It's a bit of a picture of God's sovereignty, that even if my life gets off track, even if I, if I, if I mess up, if I screw up, That God is so sovereign, He can still get you to where His destiny is. It may take a little different route. It may take a little longer to get there. But God will still get. His purposes will prevail. And we've got to understand it. And this is what Peter is trying to lay out before the people here. That he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God foreknew it. He knows everything that's going to happen. 
A lot of times we can read the news. And I do like to read the news. I like to be up on current world affairs. And you can sometimes get locked into what's happening around the world. And you think, what is this world coming to? I mean, three girls taken captive and held for 10 years for some idiot. You think, what's this world coming to? And you can see that the events in China or the events in Korea and North Korea. And you wonder, is this world spinning out of control? But when you look back through history, this is the beauty of history. I love history. I absolutely love history. When you look back in thank you, Betty. <laughs> when you look back in history, you see that the world, there were times in the world where it was complete chaos. Where the world looked like it was going to come to an end. 1962. I don't remember that. It was before I was born. But I know some people that lived 1962, 1963. Cuban Missile Crisis. JFK. Right? And everyone thought, that's it. We're just on the edge. And God sovereignly intervened. It wasn't that JFK, he gets all the credit for it, that somehow he did, you know, he was the one that held tight and therefore he's the big hero. And it wasn't JFK. God used John F. Kennedy for his purposes. God was in control, not JFK. But all you hear is about this John John Kennedy, President Kennedy, that he was this great hero. It wasn't him. It was God. It was a father in heaven who was looking after the affairs of this earth. The time had not yet come for Christ to return. Therefore, the world will continue because he dictated it. That's what it means to be foreknown by God. So those are world events. Those are world events on a world scale. What about you and I? What about our individual lives? What about the things that, that, you know, that are bigger than I am? What about the things, financial messes? What about, what about financial insecurity? What about job loss? What, what about moving 1,800 kilometers with your family? What about those things? How does it work with those things? Is God really in charge? I mean, God sees the big picture. Maybe he's just in, he's in the big picture. Maybe he's, you know, he's somehow, you know, you know, he sees the big events and he sees the big leaders. But does he really see me? Does he see me and my circumstances? Well, I believe he does. I'm just going to skip back because I'm going to come back again to the, to the, sanct, the sanctification of the spirit. But right at the very end. Okay, right at the very end of chapter of of verse two, he says this, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter has given his introduction to the letter. He's laid out the foreknowledge of God. He has laid out that they are chosen by God. He has laid out that that they have their exiles living in this land. And then he says this, may grace and mercy be multiplied to you. It's really interesting that he uses the word multiplied. It doesn't say that the word may grace and peace therefore be added to you. He uses the word multiply to you. And you think, well, maybe I'm pulling at strings here. Well, maybe I am. Listen, can I tell you right now that grace and mercy are already working in your life ahead of you, not added because of your obedience. Can I tell you that grace and mercy is working through your circumstances right now, wherever you are, prior to, to it being multiplied to you. 
God's sovereignty is so great that even in the hardships of life, even in the difficulties of life, in the uncertainty, grace and mercy are there for you. And Peter says, be multiplied to you as if to say it's being multiplied. It's being added to what's already there. It's not that you don't have it ahead of time. God's grace and mercy, the very fact that he's chosen you prior to before the world, prior to the world being formed is grace and mercy riding into your life already. That personally, it affects you. God doesn't say, may grace and mercy be added to world leaders. He brings it right home to you. He says, to you, as if he was individualizing it. God's grace and mercy is working in your life. His sovereignty, that's what it is. His sovereignty is the grace and mercy that he's giving to you. He personalizes it. He uses the word you. He multiplies it to you. It's as if he's speaking. Jesus Christ is speaking to you individually this morning. Not world leaders. Not world events. He's speaking to you this morning. He personalizes it. He says, may it be multiplied to you. And we've got to grab a hold of this. We've got to grab a hold of what Jesus Christ is trying to say to us this morning. He wants us to understand that God is a sovereign king. And when he's the sovereign king, he gets to be king. He gets to dictate the things that he wants accomplished in the world. That's why I can take my family and go. It's why you can go into the purposes of God. That's why you can hear the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to do this and go when there's no resources. And you thunder, what is he doing? Because of the sovereignty of God. That's why we can move. That's why we can have faith coming into our hearts. It's what builds faith in us when we understand the truths of the word of God, that it's true Not because I believe it, but because God said it. That's truth. And we've got to line ourselves up with what God is saying. We've got to take a hold of this and let it come into our hearts. We've got to take a hold of the things of God and say, take it and let God run with it in us. And sometimes we shut down, we shut God out and you say, that's too big for me, Lord. And we run away from God and we run away from his purposes and we flee from him. Even that cannot stop God's purposes. Look at Jonah. He fled and he ran from God. He went in the opposite direction. Yet God grabbed a hold of him and said, No, I said to you to go to Nineveh and preach to my people. And God caused a great big whale. And some people think, Oh, it's just a tale. No, it's the word of God. I actually believe it. Do you? I believe that God sent a whale or a fish or whatever it is and swallowed Jonah for three days and spit him on the land, vomited him on the land with all the yuckies. Okay? He was a bit slimy and messy, but he lived. I actually believe it. Why? Because the Word of God says it. It says it. He does, he's not trying to play games here. It's true because he said it. Gary read that this morning. It's true because God, Jesus said it. That's what makes it so incredible. I call you friends. He says, Jesus is the one that spoke it. And we've got to grab a hold of it. And we've got to believe it. Because it's true. Because it is true. And so God says, Peter says to us, Jesus says to us, may grace and mercy be multiplied to you. Do you realize in the next few verses, there are 12 things that are true. And I'm, just, I'm not going to go into all of them, but I'm going to, rip, I'm going to rhyme them off really quick. Okay? From 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 9, there are 12 truths that God speaks to us 
out of His sovereignty and out of His Lordship of our lives. The first one is that we are born again. The second one is we now have a living hope. He says a living hope. He doesn't say a dead hope. Who hopes for what is dead? No, our hope is living. It is alive. Number three, we have been given an imperishable inheritance. An inheritance that is imperishable. This is what God's saying, okay? This is your inheritance in Christ Jesus by being born again by the Spirit of God. You have an an inheritance that is imperishable. This inheritance is kept in heaven without any chance of fading, remaining undefiled. In other words, it cannot be spoiled. The enemy cannot take away what God has said for your life. Your inheritance is locked as good as gold in heaven. It cannot be touched. It cannot be fading. It cannot disappear. It is undefiled. Remember, this is Jesus speaking, okay? This isn't nice words that Peter is speaking. This is Jesus speaking. Number five, we are guarded by God's power through faith. God is guarding us. We have been guaranteed salvation being revealed as we live in the last time. We can rejoice in this salvation regardless of the suffering and various trials. Our faith is being tested as genuine before God. Making sure that it's the real thing. You know, I don't want to end up in heaven and stand before God someday and find out my faith wasn't genuine. God doesn't want it either. And so what does He do? He sends us various trials. Various things. Why? So that our faith is refined as being genuine. Wouldn't it be a shame if we did our whole life and we stood before God and we found out that our faith was fake? That we lived and did things for God to find out that it was of no value. That's a, that's a sad thing. Yet God says here it's being tested before God to prove that it's genuine. In other words, before we even get there, God is refining it so that that doesn't happen. That's love, isn't it? That is love. The love of a father making sure that when we stand before him, it's done. Our faith is bringing praise and glory and honor to God. Number 10, in spite of not seeing Jesus, we can believe Him by faith. Number 11, we are obtaining the outcome of our faith, the reward of our faith. And number 12, we have obtained the salvation of our souls. There are 12 things in in those six verses that God speaks to us about who He is and what He's doing. They're truths of the Word of God. We've got to grab a hold of them. Now, here's the thing that here's the thing that I want to do this morning. I want to come back to verse two, okay? And uh, I know my time is running out. We've got to do communion, so I'm going to do this really quick. I want to come back to this thing, this 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 phrase afterwards. If you go back to verse two, it says, "According to the foreknowledge of God, in the sanctification of the Spirit." I want to take you back there for a minute because I skipped over them, but that was completely intentional. In the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling of His blood. I intentionally skipped over it because I want to come back to it. Alright? When we hear the Word of God, right? sometimes it's great, we're in the room, 
and we're excited and, and we feel the power of God. And yet when we, Monday morning comes, you know, we may still have a little bit of it. By the time we get to Friday, we've lost everything. And we're wondering, how did we get to this place? You know, have anyone else experienced that? If you're honest, I bet you every one of us, we're excited Sunday morning or we're excited at some conference and we get pumped and the Holy Spirit's moving and all of that. And by the time we remove maybe five days, maybe two weeks down the road, we've kind of lost it, haven't we? If you're true, okay, come on now, walk with me. All right, there we go. I'm seeing more hands. There are those who are honest. There are those who need to work on that honesty. It's true, isn't it? It happens to us. Right? It, it happens to all of us because we're human. We hear these things and we think, oh, does it really apply to my life? Can I give you a tool this morning? I, I'm, I'm a carpenter, okay? I, I, I love tools. When I see a good tool, Tim, you can relate to this. You see a good tool and you know that that tool is specifically made for a purpose and you know that you've got to do this. There's nothing like buying a tool that works for that purpose. Right? It, it just simplifies a whole lot of things. I remember for years, I'm just going to detract a little ways, but I used to have to make these really tough cuts. And I have to, had to do it with a handsaw. And I had to be really careful. And then there was the day that, that Fiend, or Fine, whatever, they're, they're a tool company, came out with these little cutters. They were electric cutters. And all they did is vibrate back and forth. They had little teeth on it. And they worked incredibly well. I was the first one in Owen Sound to buy one. I, wa- I went in and I said, what's this? They were at Murray's, Murray's uh, Tool Sharpening in Owen Sound. And he had just gotten them in. And I looked at it and I said, what's this? He said, oh, we just got them in. He says, they're new. And I looked at it and I thought, I can use that. And so what did I do? 400 bucks. I bought it. And do you know what? I ended up having three of those. Every day that tool came out of, my, out of the van. When I was doing stairs, there wasn't a day when that tool did not come out of the van. I still use it. We used it at Gary's the other day. It's such an incredible tool. It's a perfect tool for those impossible cuts. It just works. Can I give you that this morning? Can I give you that tool from the Word of God this morning? Can I give you something out of the Psalms that David wrote to help us, to, to keep us on track so that five days from now you don't lose this? If you go to Psalm 62... And we're going to be talking just quickly about the sanctification of the Spirit. All right? In Psalm 62, and Dave, have you got it up there? I did tell Dave this morning, but I'm not sure if he's... We're just going to do the first few verses, okay? It says there, we're just going to read them quickly, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you attack me, O man, to batter him like a leaning wall or a tottering fence? They openly plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. John Piper um, writes in, in uh, I can't remember what book it is, but he talks very openly about, about ministering to our own, our own hearts. It's like preaching to our own self. 
doctors, psychologists, and psychiatrists have told us over the years that those people who talk to themselves usually are crazy. I'm crazy. Because you know what? I talk to myself a lot. It's, it's just the way I operate, right? It, it's the way, it's my motive. Quite often you'll hear me when I'm thinking, I'm talking because I'm an external processor. I'm not crazy, actually. Maybe some of you think I am. But it's, 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 it's a way of communicating. Can I say to you this morning, it's like a tool in the toolbox. Can I say to you this morning that we've lost something in our modern world with all of our technology and all of our iPods and our iPads and our, and our iTunes and all of this, that you know, we've lost something? The early church didn't have what we have. They heard a message, but they only heard it once unless it was told again out of the mouth. But they had to take a hold of what was spoken to them and they had to minister to their own hearts. David, in the Psalms, if you read this Psalm, it says here in verse, I think it's verse 5, he says, look at this, he says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. David is actually speaking to his own heart. He's taking the truth of the Word of God. He says, he's my rock, he's my salvation. And he's speaking it to his own heart. He's taking the truth of the Word of God and he's ministering truth into my own heart. And we get so distracted in our lives. We have become a distracted people. We've got media. We've got news. We've got instant Twitter coming at us. We've got all these things coming at us. And I, am, I, I struggle with this myself. But one of the things that I've, I'm learning to do is to take the Word of God and speak it to my own heart. It's like I'm preaching it to myself. It's like I'm saying, oh my soul, wait for God. Wait for God. Wait on Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. It's like having a tool in your tool belt that is just absolutely perfect for what you need. And God has given it to you. God has given it to us. He's given these, these truths. He's given us 12 things in three verses. He's, he's laid out, like how many truths has He laid out in 1 Peter chapter 1, just verse 1 and 2, about who He is and, and, and the sovereignty of who He is. And we could take that and say to my heart, Oh my soul, trust in a sovereign God. Trust in His abilities. Trust that He foreknew all things. Trust Him, oh my soul. Don't go to the pit of despair. Don't easily go to to the negative things, but put your hope and your trust in God. It's like a tool. And you know what? The enemy can't touch it. Why? Because you're not ministering your words. You're ministering God's words to your own heart. You're taking the word of God and you're ministering it to your own heart. Can I say to you this morning, it's like having the perfect tool in your tool belt. For those times when you think, is God really in charge? We could pick up this word. We could take 1 Peter chapter 1 and just two verses. Just two verses. How many verses in the Bible? Anyone know? A whole bunch. We could take just two verses and quietly and meditate Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in all of these provinces, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for the sprinkling of His blood, may grace and mercy be multiplied to you. Take those words and speak them to your heart. 
take the rest of the Scriptures and say, God is my rock and my salvation. In the midst of the trials, and many of us have many different things, some very difficult things that we're walking through right now. Some of these things are, are painful, and you're wondering, will I ever get through them? Will I ever get beyond them? Take the Word of God and minister to your own heart. Preach the Word of God. John Piper says, preach it to yourself first. And then preach it to others. Preach it to ourselves first. The truth of what God's Word is. And sometimes we just say, oh, I've got to hear a message. I've got to go get a sermon. Nothing wrong with it. Please hear me. I've got, you know, I've got to watch this video. Or I've got, to, you know, I've got to hear what this guy has to say. No, take the Word of God yourself. And preach it to yourself. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what He wants. There are so many truths. An inheritance. Untouchable. Undefiled. Stored in heaven. For you and for me. It cannot be touched. It is true because God has said it. It's not true because I'm preaching it this morning. It's true because God said it. I'm preaching it because God said it. I'm not taking words or nice thoughts or, you know, these are kind of, you know, fairy tale kind of thoughts. You know, they warm my heart and make me feel fuzzy all over. No, these are truths. Truths that we got to grab a hold of. Truths that we got to hold in our hearts. Precious gold. This is the Word of God for us this morning. Paul understood these, this truth. If you read the, the story of Paul, and I'm just going to finish up with this. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2. Just quickly, let's, let's bring it up here. Dave, can you bring it up? Or it doesn't matter if you can't. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go there real quick. Okay, and then I'm going to finish. Uh, where are you here? Come on now. I can't find it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> chapter 2, verse 11. Come on. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He's talking to the Gentiles. And he's talking to them that they were once far off. Before they were aliens of the covenant of, of the promise. They were far off. They didn't understand the blood of Christ. And he talks about that the, through Christ, the wall of hostility has been broken. And in verse 19, he says this. And I want to really, 19 through 20. Uh, 21, he says this, he says, so you are no longer strangers or aliens. Okay, so he's talking about strangers and aliens here. We're talking about the church. All right, we're not talking about this world. I, I started off saying that we're strangers and aliens of this world. But in the church, we are no longer strangers and aliens to God. Okay, that in God, we are now known. Okay, we are. So, you know, we're, the world may think we're crazy, but God doesn't. Okay, the world may think we're kind of funny, but God doesn't. Okay, we are his sons and daughters. So we are no longer strangers and aliens in terms of God. So make sure you get the distinction here. Okay, we're talking about the kingdom of God now. We're talking about the church. But you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. If we understand what the process of what I'm just talking about in these last minutes, that in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, 
the outcome of being sanctified in the Holy Spirit is that we are growing into, all right, right at the very end there, he says, we grow, we're growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In other words, our lives are growing. Our, God, our lives are going somewhere. If something stops growing, what does it mean? It's dead. It's only got one destiny, and that's down, doesn't it? If a tree stops growing, it may take it a while, but it's, it's dead, isn't it? It, 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 will, it will eventually just come to the ground and it will go. No, but our faith is growing. In Christ Jesus, our faith is growing. Out of Ephesians, Paul is talking to the Ephesians. He says, you're growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Right at the very end of verse 22. He says, you're being grown into the dwelling place of God in the Holy Spirit. Grab a hold of this this morning. Our worship this morning, there was, I mean, I didn't have to preach it because it was all there. But it talked about the, 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 the sovereignty of God, the love of the Father for us. He pursues us. We don't pursue him. It's like what Andy said this morning. God went running after that, that man. He went running towards him. The Father ran towards him. God is running towards you this morning. Out of his sovereignty and under his understanding, out of his love for your life, We've got to grab a hold of it. We've really got to grab a hold of it. And God loves us so much. Take the tool that I talked to you about this morning. Take it and try it. It works. Preach to yourself. Teach yourself. Minister to your own heart. Minister. I mean, it's great to have one another pray for us. But you know what? Sometimes you just don't have that option. So minister to your own heart. I did it this morning before the the service. I, I spent three quarters of an hour just praying up on the UNB campus, up at the top. I ministered to my own heart out of the Word of God. I took truths and I said, my heart, lean on God. You're not crazy if you do it. Okay? Father, I just thank You this morning for Your truth. Father, I thank You this morning that You are on the throne. Lord, I thank You this morning that Your grace and Your mercy is for our lives, that it's being multiplied into our lives. Father, thank You that Your sovereignty over our lives and over the affairs of our lives, is so powerful that nothing can move it, nothing can shake it, Lord, that we can lean on it, and it will not fall over. Lord, that the wall of, so- of your sovereignty is so strong that we can climb it, sit on it, stand on it, jump on it, push against it, it will not fall. And Father, I thank you this morning that you are here right now in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to our hearts the truth of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Bill's